listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I've got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, By the way, if you were on last night, you know. If you weren't, I'll give you a little uh, refresh. But if you were on last night, I said we're talking about what I see as the three main things that the enemy is trying to use to stop the people of God, to hinder the the church of God, the move of God. And um, I said that as we move into 2023, of course, we're closer to the return of Jesus than we've ever been. Uh, And we can see the signs all around us uh, of the return of Christ coming very soon. So uh, as we know, the enemy is doing everything he can to try to stop the move of God on the earth and to try to stop the work of the church as he's been doing for thousands of years. But um, Jesus said that these things would increase in the last days. I'm focusing in on three things that I truly believe that the spirit of Antichrist is using or trying to use to hinder the people of God and the move of God. And if you were on last night uh, with us, we talked about the first attack that is very Antichrist in nature is the, um, the deception that tries to make the church pull away from the supernatural. And the first thing I dealt with was anti-supernatural church, anti-supernatural Christians. And I dealt with the fact that Paul commanded by the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. This was not something Paul was trying to stop. This is something he wanted to see more of in the churches. And anytime you see a church that is pulling back from or stepping away from the supernatural move of God in their church services. That's anti-God, anti-Christ. And um, I'll show you these pictures again because if you missed it last night, you need to see this. Um, We talked about one of the leading, um, one of the leading figures, religious figures, Southern Baptist movement, uh, Richard Land, coming back, caught on this picture. I don't know if he was in an airport or where he was. But take a look at this. Uh, I, I actually, it looks like the picture of health. I, 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 I zoomed it in so you could see his briefcase. What in the world is going on uh, with R- Richard Land's briefcase? The World Economic Forum, one of the most anti-Christ, anti-God uh, groups that there is, uh, headed up by Klaus Schwab, Davao, Switzerland. Switzerland. Uh, the World, World Economic Forum is an anti-Christ globalist uh, group. And what in the world does a Christian, what business does a Christian have sporting that on their briefcase? I told him last night, I said, I don't care if it was Louis Vuitton. I don't care if it was made out of solid gold and somebody gave it to me as a gift. There's no way I'm carrying around anything with a World Economic Forum logo on it. I, I can't understand how anybody would support anything that they stand for. Anyway, he brushed it off as though it were no big deal. But let me tell you something. He was the head of the Ethics uh, and the Religious Liberty Committee. 
for the Southern Baptist Convention, who is now, by the way, under FBI investigation uh, for other reasons. So not good. But as you know, I, and, and if you remember, I prophesied in November of 2019 that uh, as 2020 hit moving forward, that there was going to be a separation in the house of God, that things that people thought God was in, that he was never in, he was going to tear them down. And things that maybe you never even heard of, churches, preachers, Christians, God that stood for God and his spirit, God was going to raise them up uh, and support them in, in, into prominence. And it's already begun to happen. Um, but we're talking about these three areas that the Antichrist agenda wants to use to try to hinder the church. You say, why are you bringing, bringing up Richard Land? Well, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, who he represents and represented, um, this is a, uh, an organization uh, that would fit the mold of exactly what I'm talking about, not demonizing any individual, but this thought process, number one, of anti-supernaturalism, this cessationist mindset that the Holy Spirit is not still manifesting himself on the earth in the apostolic way as he did in the New Testament with Jesus, with the apostles and the early church is complete and utter nonsense. By the way, if you're just getting on, share this. This needs to be heard. This needs to be heard. That whole cessationist agenda, that whole cessationist mindset is total and absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. You have to do uh, theological gymnastics to try to preach and believe that the Holy Spirit has uh, ceased in, the, in his manifestations, uh, of, even in the apostolic nature. Complete and utter nonsense. Even church history tells us that that's not true. Uh, miracles continued, healing continued, uh, exorcisms continued, all of these things, even with the early church fathers after John the Revelator died. Polycarp, Irenaeus, other church fathers report these things in their writing. And so to even suggest that is absolutely foolish. In fact, um, one of the interesting things to me, I've brought this up multiple times before, one of the interesting things to me is um, there was a professor from Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, Professor Jack Deere, who um, realized or recognized that he was doing the same thing that he told his students never to do, which was to read the Bible with a bias in mind. And he, you know, that school is an anti-supernatural school. It's a cessationist school. But he said, you know what, I'm going to read through the New Testament and take out any bias that I may have had growing up. And as he did that, he came out the other side and recognized, this is not just Joe Schmo off the street. This is uh, an educated, this is a theologian. This is a professor of theology. He, he recognized no logical thinking person could read through the New Testament and come out the other side a cessationist. Released a book about it called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I recommend you get it and read it. But uh, this whole anti-supernaturalism is demonic in nature. It's anti-Christ and anti-God in nature. And uh, it's just utter nonsense. Absolutely. There's nowhere in the New Testament that teaches what these people want you to believe. And it really is driven by an anti-Christ mindset. The reason I say that is because when you look back over the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, it really was the signs and wonders 
that backed up the preaching of the gospel. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was Jesus. He was one that first that said it as you remember, he said to the Pharisees in John chapter 10, he said, if you don't believe me that I am the son of God, at least believe the works, right? He pointed to his works, at least believe the works that you'll know that I am who I say I am. He goes on to say to John's disciples, they come to him. Are you the one or do we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of God? He said, go back and tell John the things that you've seen and heard, right? And then he begins to list his miracles as the proof that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of God. And so Christ's miracles were the proof. In fact, in John, the gospel of John chapter two and verse 23, the Bible says many believed on Jesus name when they saw the miracles and the signs that he did. Again, let me read that to you. John chapter two and verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So once again, this is something that established Jesus' messianic identity, signs and wonders. I am the son of God. If you don't believe me, believe the signs right? And people did believe the signs and people did believe on his name. According to scripture, it went on with the apostles and the apostles produced miracles, signs, and wonders. And it caused many to believe. What did we read last night? Acts chapter eight, Philip went to Samaria, preached Christ unto them. And the Bible says, and they paid attention to Philip seeing the signs that he did for many who had demons. The demons were cast out. They were delivered. Many that were paralyzed were healed. And so people stopped and paid attention to the gospel and many were saved. And Peter and John came from Jerusalem, laid their hands on the new believers and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. So the miracles were the proof, not just Philip, not just the apostles of the lamb, the 12 apostles, but Paul, the apostle goes to Corinth. What did he say in first Corinthians chapter two and verse four? He said, when I came unto you, I did not come with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in what? The power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, right? So even the apostle Paul, same thing. And it was miracle signs and wonders that accompanied uh, the preaching of the gospel. Same throughout the early church, the 70 returned unto Christ, right? Even the demons are subject unto us. That's what they said to Jesus. And all the way out, go to the book of James. If there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. See, so this anti-supernaturalism. In fact, Jesus said, John 14, verse 12, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. And so this anti-supernaturalism, it's demonic. It is anti-God, it is anti-Christ in nature. It's not God's plan for his church, for his body. And there's nowhere in the New Testament that teaches that the apostolic gifts ceased or came to an end, nowhere. First Corinthians 13, even many uh, reformed believers admit that that is not an argument against apostolic gifts coming to an end. Uh, it's really speaking about when we get to heaven, because knowledge hasn't ceased, nor have tongues ceased. Miracle signs and wonders have not ceased. Tonight, I want to deal with number two. 
And we're talking about the ways that the Antichrist agenda seeks to manipulate and control what's going on in the church with Christians. There's a manipulation that is inherent to that Antichrist spirit, to that anti-God agenda. And if you understand it, when it comes to its uh, final manifestation during the tribulation, the Bible says the Antichrist himself will begin to take total control of the world. The economic world, nobody can buy or sell unless they receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Uh, further than that, he will uh, control worship, uh, all these different things. Well, you can see that the nature of Antichrist is to manipulate and control. Um, and tonight, tonight, I want to show you something which I, with all my heart believe, has been attacked heavily within the church, and that is the attack against the message of healing. The attack against the message of divine healing. That's number two. And I want to deal with that tonight because as we move forward into 2023, look back just two years. All of the people that you thought were Holy Ghost mammoths, you thought they were mighty men and women of God, began to tuck their tails and run at the first sign of a virus. Many of them did. People, I'm just being very honest with you, people that I thought were straight up Holy Ghost and fire tucked their tails and ran for, you know, government uh, pressure on the churches, uh, all of these messages and propaganda we were getting from the uh, news about the dangers that are there. And, and, and many that we thought were Pentecostal that believed in signs, wonders, miracles, divine healing, tucked their tails and ran the other way. Totally ran the other way. And um, they don't believe the message of divine healing and protection like they say they do. They just don't. They claim to. They believe it on paper, but they don't believe it in real life. Because if they did, their actions would have proven it. Do you know, this will blow your mind. I know of ministers, not the pastors, I'm talking about evangelists that were traveling ministers, that the pastor was ready to have them in in 2020 and 2021, ready to have them in. And the evangelist called, to, called the pastor and canceled their own revival. I said, I just don't think that it would be wisdom for us to have a revival. Pastor's ready to go. And the evangelist canceling his ministry. I just don't think it'd be wisdom for us. It's like, what do you believe? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about God? Amen. Many that I know, that I, I have relationships with, didn't stop. We didn't stop. We didn't stop traveling. We didn't stop preaching. We didn't stop laying hands on people. We didn't stop lining them up. We didn't stop ministering. And anybody that I know that, that took a stand when there was pressure on every side, God blessed them immensely. And so there were, many, there were many people that on paper, they were Pentecostal. On paper, they believed in divine healing. But when, when the rubber met the road, they tucked their tail and ran and used the uh, excuse, got to use wisdom, brother. You got to use what? And, and what they don't realize is the greatest wisdom is obeying the word of God. Not closing your church, not stopping laying hands on people, not, you know, masking up. And I saw one guy that claims to be Pentecostal in the midst of a, a conference, sitting 
down during worship with black rubber gloves on, double masked. He's a preacher. He's not, not, I'm just talking about a Christian. I'm talking about a preacher. A preacher. I use the word very lightly. Very lightly. Sitting there, sulking through worship with black rubber gloves, double masked. Ridiculous. You think you're Pentecostal. You think you believe in the power of God. And then your actions prove otherwise. The apostles understood. They understood. We understand that you have to act out the things you believe. And when it comes down to it, you know, and that was just one thing. The Bible doesn't say in Matthew 24 that in the last days there would be, uh, you know, one plague or one pestilence. It's, it's talking about there will be, these things will ramp up before the coming of Christ. So if you think that's the last time that anybody's going to try anything before Jesus comes, you got another thing coming. Because there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, there'll be famine, there'll be pestilence, right? Plagues, plagues, plural. And so we have to make up our minds and just set our faith. Am I going to be somebody that tucks my tail and runs? Or am I going to be somebody that is a person of faith that will not stop doing what I've been called to do in the midst of it? And we've got to either believe, either we believe in divine healing and we live it, or we don't believe in it. It's got to be one or the other. Either I believe that God can heal, either I believe that he can protect, or I don't believe it. Or I don't believe it. And you have to understand, one of the biggest lies that's ever been perpetrated in the church is that sometimes if you're suffering in your body, it is God sending that thing to you to teach you either how to fully depend on him, uh, teaching you a lesson for your, uh, your missteps, or maybe he's just testing your faith. And that is a, a, a heresy. That is a heresy because God does not test any man or woman with evil. God does not test any man or woman with evil. Put it in the comments. God doesn't test me with evil. Man, I guess I'm all itchy on my nose tonight. What's up with that? Put it in the comments. God doesn't test me with evil. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God does not test me with evil. And I'm going to tell you something, if, and if no one's preached this to you, if never, nobody's taught this to you, sickness is evil. Sickness is a work of the devil. It doesn't mean that if you're sick, you're evil, nor does it mean that you're somehow in partnership with the devil if you're sick, no, nor does it mean God doesn't love you if you're sick. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that sickness in and of itself is a work of the devil. It's a work of the devil. It is not something that God creates. It's not something that God uh, puts on his children. It's a work of the devil. Um, and I'm going to show you that from scripture. If you think I'm just blowing smoke, I know sometimes people watch these later and they think, oh, he, he doesn't know what the Bible says. He doesn't know what the Old Testament says. Let's just read it. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. What was he doing? He was doing good. 
Christ wasn't going about doing evil. He was doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You see that? What was Jesus doing? He was doing good and doing what? What was the good he was doing? Healing all that were oppressed of who? The devil. So the good he was doing was reversing the work of the devil in the lives of those people. Sickness, oppression, possession. Jesus reversed it. He healed it. He brought deliverance. And according to scripture, that was a good work. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above, in whom there is no variableness. That's King James. It means that he does not change his mind about how he feels about you. So the Bible declares Jesus was doing good. Why? Because he was sent down to do good, to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So when he was healing people, it was always a good gift from heaven. He was doing good. It is the devil who oppresses. It is the devil who attacks with sickness and disease. It is Christ who is the healer. Christ is the healer. And when healing comes, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't, you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible where, where sickness and disease are a blessing. It's like, man, I, just, I really got blessed. How'd you get blessed? Oh, that virus came on me, man. It was such a blessing. I took off dancing. No, it's not a blessing. It's not a blessing. It's an attack of the devil needs to be recognized as such and dealt with in the way Jesus dealt with it and in the way the apostles dealt with it and in the way that the epistles, which is the letters of the apostles, command us. It's not the wives of the apostles. <laughs> the apostles and their epistles. No, it, and the way the Bible commands us to deal with it. What is it? Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church who will lay their hands upon them and anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's a command. Is there anybody sick? Did you, did you notice that there's nowhere in that passage, James chapter five, where the Bible says, is there any sick among you? Pray and figure out if the devil sent the sickness or if God did. There's nowhere. In that passage, where you're supposed to have some kind of discernment as to who sent the sickness, as to who sent the disease. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, is this God or is this? You don't have to figure it out. Don't have to figure it out. Unless you somehow think that Jesus was working in opposition to his father's will, which he absolutely was not. To, to suggest such a thing would be heretical that Jesus was somehow working against what the Father wanted on the earth. Foolish to even say it. Because he was not. If he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I, I, I can do nothing unless I see the Father do it. I, I say nothing unless I hear the Father say it. Jesus was in perfect synchronization with the Father. Perfect synchronization. He was not a rogue. He was not out doing his own thing. He was doing what the Father uh, instructed him to do in obedience, synchronized with heaven. So when he healed the sick and he healed them all, the Bible says he healed them 
all. What was he doing? The Father's will. The Father's will. Absolutely. And it was good. Not bad. There was not going to be one person Jesus dealt with. Find me a place in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus says, you know what? I was going to pray for you. I was going to heal you. But as we started to talk, I recognized my father put this on you to teach you a lesson. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you deal with it because he's trying to teach you. No, you're not going to find it because that is not how it works. That is heretical. What do you think? God is a child abuser. You think God is destroying his own children? No, he is not putting sickness and disease on his own children. In fact, I'll be honest with you, uh, there are portions of scripture where I believe that things God did were merciful. Now, Bible doesn't tell us, but merciful, merciful judgments. I won't get into that because that might be over people's heads, but merciful judgments to keep people from going to hell that should have been going to heaven. But God's not putting sickness on his children. He's not a child abuser. Healed them all. Everywhere Jesus went, he was healing and delivering. Healing and delivering. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and with power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now think about this. If the devil was going to use something to manipulate Christians, to manipulate churches, to manipulate the population, how easy would it be to use sickness and disease and medical dependency to manipulate the population. In fact, this is my personal belief that this will be one of the things that when we hit the final moments of time and all these things are being played out in prophecy, it's my personal belief this could be one of the ways that the uh, Antichrist system forces people into a place uh, of even taking the mark of the beast. Not only can you not buy or sell, but what if they were to say to you, you can't even have your prescriptions filled. You can't get medical care, medical help, no more Medicaid, no more Medicare until you get the mark of the beast. Let me tell you, people would be flocking to their local CVS to take the mark or wherever you are going to have to go to get it. Probably won't be CVS. Don't sue me, CVS, for saying that. <laughs> At the Acme Drugstore. <laughs> Wherever people are going to have to go. If you tell them, no more prescription. You can't have any more medical care. No more, no more welfare. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to flock. They're going to flock. And so uh, it's really important to understand this. If there's an area the devil can use to manipulate and control, he'll exploit that. That's why God doesn't want you sick. God doesn't want you for years and years. You know, Jesus was irritated to find out that people who had covenant with him had been dealing with something for years and years. I'll give you an example. If you go to the book of Luke, there was a woman in the synagogue who was bowed over double, the Bible says, crippled, and she could no wise lift herself up. And though it was the Sabbath day, Jesus healed her. He healed her. And they were ready to just destroy him. There are six days of the week for doing good work, you know? And so they're trying to rebuke Jesus for healing the woman on the Sabbath day. He said, ought not this woman 
who is a daughter of Abraham. That's, listen, that's, that's right there by itself is a powerful point. Um, let, me, let me take you there real quick. Because that right there, if you can get that, that will cause you to uh, truly... Truly understand. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. I want you to see this. That's right, Timothy. If Jesus knew her sooner, he would have healed her sooner. As soon as Jesus was made aware that this woman who had covenant with her father, with his father, needed help, he helped her. As soon as he found out. He didn't wait until it wasn't the Sabbath day, right? Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. 18 years. That's 18 years too long. Too long. Jesus doesn't want you struggling year after year after year. Sick year after year after year. And the Bible says she was bent over, could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately, glory to God, she was made straight. She glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done, but come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and rebuked him. You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger? lead it away to water it. And look at verse 16, because I want you to get this in your spirit. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham. Why would he say that? He's pointing out, she's got covenant. A daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, question, who did the binding? Was it God? No, Satan bound. For 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. You know why Jesus didn't care about the, if that it was the Sabbath? Because here's a covenant woman who's in need. It's a woman that's in need. If he'd have known about it a week before, five months before, he'd have healed her then. As soon as it came to his attention, 18 years, he points that out. There's a reason he pointed that out. This woman's been bound 18 years. 18 years. You're willing to untie your donkey, lead it to the manger to... But you won't let this woman be healed? You hypocrites, you bums, you religious devils. Allow this woman to be healed 18 years. And she's a daughter of Abraham? Covenant. Now let me just give you uh, some good news here. The Bible says in Galatians 3.29 that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. You are Abraham's seed. Did you know that God prophesied to Abraham back in the book of Genesis that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed? Did you hear that? Through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth. That means not just Jews, not just the Hebrews, all the nations of the earth. That means Jews and Gentiles will be blessed through Abraham. How's that possible? Because the Bible says if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, that you get brought into the family. So the same covenant, the same covenant 
is available to you today, which means that through Christ, you are now a part of not just the family of God, but the body of Christ. And healing, according to Jesus, is the children's bread. Come on, man. Healing is the children's bread. In fact, I want you to say it. Uh, say this with me in the comments. Say this with me in the comments. Healing is my bread. Put that in the comments. Healing is my bread. I'm one of the children of God. It's my bread. It's my portion. It's my inheritance in Jesus' name. Healing is my bread. Thank you, Lord. That's it. You're not called to suffer. You're not called to sickness. You're not called to uh, years and years and years of torment. You're not called to be always on 18 different prescription medications and, you know, believing. No, that's not for you. Healing is the children's bread. That's what Jesus said to the woman who came uh, and she was a Gentile asking Jesus to heal her daughter who was possessed by a demon spirit. He said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, people think, well, you just call the woman a dog. It's beyond that. It's beyond that. That was what uh, Gentiles were called. It was what they, how they were, one of the ways they were referred to. And if, in fact, um, if you read the Psalms, then you'll find out that even the prophetic Psalms, uh, one of them in, in particular that was speaking about when Jesus would be crucified, and the Bible says that the dogs would surround him. Dogs would surround him. And it's talking about the Gentiles and the Roman soldiers that were surrounding Jesus at his crucifixion. Speaking of Gentiles. So he said, it's not for you. See, she didn't have covenant. There was no way for anyone who was not Jewish to, to have covenant with Christ yet. He hadn't died. He hadn't resurrected. He had not ascended. So he said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She said, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, I've not seen faith like this. Come on. Great is your faith. And from that hour, daughter was made whole. She was able to get a blessing because even then Jesus had a heart to heal, to touch, to deliver. But understand the principle there. Healing is the children's bread. And if you haven't written it in the comments, write it. Healing is my bread in Jesus name. Healing is my bread. It's your portion belongs to you through Christ, through the work that Christ did on the cross, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful. When Jesus uttered that amazing Greek word, tetelestai, tetelestai, it is finished. It is finished. Glory to God. Amazing. Cut covenant with man. Understanding that now we have an access into the family of God, into the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 2, I believe it's verse 15, that he canceled the penalty of our sin by nailing it to the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sins canceled. Sickness and the power of sickness destroyed. I'm talking about the covenant you have with Christ. Healing is your bread. These things, I mean, you look through the New Testament, it's how it functioned. 
It's how Jesus functioned. It's how his apostles functioned. It's how Paul functioned. It's how the early church functioned. And of course, as I read to you in the book of James, chapter five, this was the command to those that were in the church that had a need that was beyond what they could handle with their personal faith. The elders of the church will pray for you. They'll lay hands on you. They'll anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. He didn't say that if you have an issue in your body, you should just continue, you know, just continue. Just pray for strength to bear it, brother. It's not what the Bible says. I've had people say that to me in prayer lines. How can I pray for you? You want me to pray that God will heal you? No, brother. Don't pray that God will heal me. I, I Just pray that he gives me strength to bear it, brother. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Jesus never met someone that was sick or diseased and said, let me just pray that you have the strength to bear this. That's not what he's sent to do. Sent to destroy the works of the devil. That doesn't just mean sin. Doesn't just mean sin. Let me me show you this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Doesn't just mean sin. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, Actually, Matthew chapter 8, excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 14. Listen to this now. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, let me pause there. Abel Malone says, uh, referring to what Jesus or, or what, you know, what God said to the apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. As though that's him saying, I'll give you strength to bear it. First of all, what Paul was dealing with was not sickness, nor was it disease. So that's, no, that's not true. That is not true. The Bible says it was a thorn in the flesh. That's a figure of speech. The Bible says what it was, a buffeting spirit. It was a buffeting spirit. He was not suffering from sickness, nor was he suffering with a disease. That's right, Timothy. It was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. It was not healing that he needed. It was not healing that he needed. And so he was not, Paul was not sick. Paul was not diseased. That's not what we're dealing with tonight. You understand? So you, you totally, you, you, you can't take scripture fully out of context to make an argument that's not there. Paul was not, there's nowhere in the Bible, even these people which we dealt with this in the book of Galatians study we did in Bible study made simple. Even these people that try to act like or try to teach, you know, Paul had eye problems. That's not anywhere in the Bible. You know, Paul had issues with his eyes. He had, he had eye, eyesight problems and eyesight issues. It's not in the Bible. So that's all conjecture by men who have tried to uh, come up with reasons, you know, why Paul wrote in big letters or, you know, or something like that. So has nothing to do, Abel, with sickness or disease. Paul was not suffering sickness or disease. The Bible was very clear about what he was dealing with. And the Bible says, and when Jesus entered Peter's house, Matthew 8, 14, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now look at verse 17, very powerful. This was to fulfill 
what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So understand, one of the things that Jesus was sent to do, according to the prophet Isaiah, was to take our illnesses and to bear our diseases. So when we say that the Son of God was sent to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8, the works of the devil are not just the sin that enslaves men and women, but according to the prophet Isaiah, it is also the sicknesses, the illnesses, the diseases that come upon men and women. Those are just as much works of the devil as sin is. Just as much. Jesus destroyed the power of sin, but he also destroyed sicknesses and diseases. Did it through his whole ministry. Through his whole ministry. Did you ever realize that even at the death of Jesus Christ, even at his death, not his resurrection, at his death, the Bible says it was the afternoon, he's on the cross, and he lets out a shout and gives up the ghost on the cross. And it was such a powerful action that the earth began to shake, the Bible says. Earthquake hit the place. And tombs of holy men and women opened up around Calvary. And those holy men and women, the Bible says, came out of the tombs, resurrected at his death. So even his death was too powerful for death. <laughs> you ever think about that? You ought to put it in the comments. Even Jesus' death was too powerful for death. Glory to God. Even Jesus' death was too powerful for death. Not just his resurrection, his death. Tetelestai, it is finished. Boom, gives up the ghost. Earth shakes, dead people get up. Dead people get up. I'm telling you, even his death was too much. Even his death was too much. It was powerful death. It was a powerful death, man. Jesus' death was the most powerful death there ever was. You ever think of that? Christ's death was the most powerful death there ever was. And his death was so powerful, it raised other people from the dead. <laughs> His death was so powerful, it raised other people from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. Part of those works are sickness and disease. Why do you think that the early church was commanded to do the same? Mark chapter 16. Now, whatever you may think about the longer ending of Mark, I personally believe and I know this is a lot to get into, I won't talk about it, but I personally believe the longer ending of Mark is authentic. And I believe that those verses are there and belong there. I believe the manuscripts and even the things that we have where there's blank pages that they never used to leave pages blank when they copied text. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved and these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. They shall recover. Who is this talking about specifically? Is it talking about the apostles? No. No, it's not. It's talking about the new believers that were just converted by the preaching of the apostles. That's who it's talking about. 
the new believers, not seasoned believers, not 20 years in the church believers. It's talking about new believers that just got converted through the preaching of the apostles and the early church, going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. Those that don't believe will be damned. And these signs will follow who? Them that believe. Woo! In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So apparently, it was the expectation of the early church to be able to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover. It was the expectation of the early church that demons were subjected to the authority of Christ that was in them. For they are, and we are, the temple of the Holy Ghost, part of the body of Christ, in Jesus' name. And that's how we operate, in Jesus' name. And so I want to show you this, because do not be manipulated by the spirit of Antichrist that wants to keep people sick, that wants to keep people in medical care, that wants to keep people on prescription medication. Get free from that, and stay free from it. You serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think, Ephesians 3.20. All that you can ask. I don't care how much you ask him for. He's able to do more than what you can ask or believe for. We were preaching. I think she's on tonight. I was preaching in uh, Blakely, Pennsylvania, and a precious friend of ours, God touched her in that service. I mean, God touched her, and she came back that night. And she had a Ziploc bag. She laid it on the altar. She said, I won't need this. God touched me. I if I'm right in my memory, it was 28 different medications that she laid down on the altar. 28 different medications. Are you still on? If you're on, shout an amen in the comments. Because her testimony shook me. Powerful testimony. And I thought, my God, this is what happens. Is because you get on one medication and then... It's trying to help you with one area. And then all of a sudden you realize that it's causing another side effect in your body. So they put you on another one to try to help with the side effects, which causes another side effect. And you need another. By the time you're done, 28 medications. God delivers. God heals. God sets free by the power of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost and the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in our physical bodies. I always tell people this. If that spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives in your body, if it could raise a dead decomposing man back to life, what can it do to cancer cells? What can it do to COVID-19? What can it do to glaucoma or arthritis? What can it do to COPD? What can it do to all of these things that the devil has sent to harass the people of God? I mean, don't tell me. I like how my dad's been saying it. Name one sickness Jesus can't heal. Name one disease Jesus can't heal. There's not one. Deafening silence. There's not one disease Jesus can't heal. There's not one sickness Jesus can't heal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's always funny to me because all the people that are like opposed to this message of divine healing. Well, if you've really got that, then run to the hospital and heal all those people out of the hospital. Jesus didn't even do that. You hearing what I'm saying? Jesus didn't force healing onto people, nor could he force healing onto people. In fact, the Bible says 
Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, Jesus went back to his own hometown, Nazareth, and what happened? And he could do there no mighty work, none, none. How many mighty works? None. Did he go there to do mighty works? Yes. Did he want to? Yes. Could he? No. Didn't say he wouldn't do them, said he couldn't do them. So that's Jesus we're talking about. Yes, that's the point. It's Jesus we're talking about. So Jesus didn't just run to the hospital and heal. If he could heal everybody, he'd have just run through and healed every single person. And there were many times he did heal everyone in the crowd. This was not one of those times. This was not one of those times. Went to his hometown and he marveled at what? Their unbelief. So what was it that kept them from receiving miracles from the son of God himself. Unbelief. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. And he marveled at their unbelief. He still was able to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. But he marveled at what? Their unbelief. Their unbelief. See what I mean? So even Jesus, these people, all, every single one, if you think that's why don't you run down to the hospital and just clear those hospitals out then? (laughs) People don't even get it. They don't even get it. And so you believe, you have faith. You have faith to do what the Bible commands you to do. Let me tell you, I would be out of line if I, as an elder of the church, had someone come to me believing for healing I said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for you. I, I just don't, I don't believe God does that anymore. I'm not going to, you're out of line because you are contradicting and defying the mighty word of God because we are commanded, commanded. If we're elders of the church, we're commanded to lay hands on those who need healing in their physical body. We do it because we're commanded to do it. That's what the Bible says. Amen. You're welcome, Abel. So Jesus was sent to bear our illnesses, to bear our diseases. It's part of destroying the works of the devil. Don't just take whatever the uh, enemy throws down the pike at you. Don't just take it and run with it. Don't just say, well, I'm getting older. Well, this is what happens to people. Well, this comes on everybody. Don't receive it. Don't sign for a package that's not yours. I want you to put that in the comments. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want you to put this in the comments. Don't sign for a package that's not yours. Look at that testimony, Zachary Weber. I was healed of cancer after the elders of the church I was a part of prayed the prayer of faith over me like the Bible said to do. Praise God. What? That's a phenomenal testimony. I love it, Zachary. Praise God. Don't sign for a package that's not yours. If something comes to you and it's, a, it's contradictory to your covenant, don't, don't sign for it. Don't take it. Don't receive it. Don't accept it. It's not for you. Don't sign for a package that's not yours. If I have something coming into my life that contradicts the word of God or what it says, belongs to me through what Jesus Christ did. I'm not taking it. I'm going to stand against it. I'm going to stand against it. With all the faith that I have, I'm going to stand against it and believe God for breakthrough. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't sign. That's right, Bill. Return to sender. Every curse returns to sender in Jesus' mighty name. The devil can't curse what God has already blessed. And we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. You can't curse what God's already blessed. Glory to God. You cannot curse what God's already blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Don't sign for a package that's not yours. Healing is yours, but the attacks of the devil do not belong to you. They do not belong to you. You're not called to carry burdens. You're called to carry blessings. So everything that presents itself to you as a burden, as a care, as a harassment of the devil, stand against it by faith, lift up the shield of faith, quench every fiery dart of the wicked one, lift up the sword of the spirit and go to work, cutting down every wicked thing that was sent against you. It's what Jesus did. Every single thing that the devil threw at him, what did he say? It is written. Glory to God. It is written. How do you destroy the works of the devil? You pull out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you declare it is written. It's what Jesus did. You quote the scripture. You say what God said. And you don't receive the foolish attacks of the enemy against your life, your children, your body, your mind. It's not for you. It's not for you. Honey, now the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, read the rest of it. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. I don't understand why people quote half verses all the time. How many know the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous? Yes, and it does. Keep reading the rest of the verse. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Glory to God. Out of them all. And so you have to take it. You have to take the word of God as yours. This is mine. It can't be general to you. Listen, before I pray healing for you, and I ask the Lord to touch you in your physical body, touch your loved ones. Listen to me. It can't be a general belief system that you have. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I don't go around saying Jesus is a healer. Uh, there's a lot of people that can believe he is a healer, but you know what I'm declaring? He's my healer. You say, well, that just seems like semantics. It's not semantics. It's exactly the thing that the devil uses to keep people from receiving their promise. Because let me explain how it works. There's people that are Christians that say, well, you know, I believe God can heal. You know, I believe he's a healer. But see, they're not persuaded that God will heal them. Because the devil will say, well, you know, God couldn't bless you. God couldn't heal you because look at you've done this, this, and this. You've been here. You've been there. You're... No, it's not general. He's not just a healer. He's my healer. I don't just believe he can heal. I believe he will heal me. Hallelujah. And of course, we believe he already has healed us because he's already shed his blood. He's not going to shed it again. He's not taking stripes on his back again. He's not taking a crown of thorns again. He's not taking a spear in the side again. Amen. He's already done it. What Jesus did, he's already done. So he's not going to heal us. He already healed us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I don't just go around saying, well, how many know he can heal when he wants to? He can heal... 
it's like such a feeling of doubt and unbelief when you hear preachers say that. Well, how many know if God wants to, he can do anything? How many know, you know, God can heal? No, he's my healer. Hallelujah. I don't care if nobody else steps out in faith to get there. I'm sure that's how those people in Nazareth were. Lord, Lord, cut, cut to the wide shot so they can see. Lord, Lord, I don't care if none of these other people believe you. I believe you over here. To the left, Lord. To the left. Over here. Yes. I believe you. And the Bible says, and he healed a few of them. You know who they were? They were the people who in a sea of doubt and unbelief had faith. Lord, over here. I know these people don't believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Christ. Right here. If you got healing, right here. And the Bible says he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's right, Denise. She said, it's like saying that a parent wants their child to suffer. God wants us to walk in divine health. That's right. That's exactly right. Jesus said in, in, um, Matthew, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, that even earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. But how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? God has good gifts set aside for you. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Hallelujah. In fact, if you've not marked that up in your Bible yet, this would be a good night to mark it up in your Bible. It's the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17. Let me read it to you. The Bible says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He does not change. He said that in the Old Testament. I'm the Lord your God. I do not change. That's a powerful thought right there. He does not change. Amen. Jesus Christ, Hebrews, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he was doing back then, he's still doing today. So don't doubt and don't let this spirit of Antichrist, this globalist agenda, try to present. Well, you know everybody gets it. You know everybody goes through it. You know everybody's going to have to deal with it at some point. Not me in Jesus' name. Not me in Jesus' name. Not my story in Jesus' name. I want you to put, final thing I want you to put in the comments tonight. Are you ready? Because I know the world will go through crises, but that's not us. Put it, put it in the comments. I don't have a crisis I have a Christ. I don't have a crisis. I have a Christ. Glory to God. I don't have a crisis. I have a Christ. Let me pray for every person that's watching. Maybe you're uh, watching the replay on this. Maybe you're listening to it. But you need a touch in your physical body. You need healing. Maybe you have a family member that's battling. Let me pray. I want to pray for your family tonight. I want to join my faith with yours. And believe God that he'll touch your family. Father, I pray for every person that's watching or listening to this. And I ask you, Lord, to touch them tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. Thank you for taking stripes upon your back. Thank you for bearing our sicknesses and diseases. Tonight, I ask you to reach out your mighty right hand. Touch them by the power of your spirit. Father, I thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is dwelling in them. Let that quickening anointing Take hold of their body right now. 
drive out every sickness and every disease. I lose healing virtue in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as you've done before, send your word and heal them by the power of your spirit. Take all the glory. Take all the honor for the things that you do. You're the only one that can do these things. And we give you thanks and praise ahead of time because we know that your integrity is intact in Jesus' mighty name. Your word is true and it's eternal. The heavens and the earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so, Lord, we thank you tonight that you are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you that your people are receiving a healing touch tonight. I command cancer to leave people. I command tumors to shrivel and die by the power of the Holy Ghost. Respiratory issues, I command it to leave their lungs tonight in Jesus' name. COPD has to go. Pneumonia has to go. I thank you, Lord, for it. Arthritis has to go in Jesus' name. Pain, stiffness. I pray in Jesus' name, heal those that have uh, vision problems, those that have hearing trouble. Lord, I pray, those that are deaf, those that are blind, heal them by the power of your spirit and take all the glory. Those that are lame, those that are paralyzed, those that have not been able to walk for years, touch them, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and and take all the glory. It doesn't belong to us. It all belongs to you. You are the almighty God and there's nobody like you. There's nobody beside you. There's nobody above you. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. If you receive that prayer tonight, throw some hands up in the comments. Let me know that you're standing with me and believing for breakthrough healing. Breakthrough healing in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on that tonight. Things are turning in your favor in Jesus' mighty name. It's turning for your favor in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me challenge you on this second night of this series to sow a seed by faith. Maybe you've not sown anything in the month of October. Let me tell you, now's the time. Get your seed in the ground. Get your seed in the ground. You're believing for breakthroughs. You're believing for harvests. You're believing for increase. Now is the time to sow the seed God's put in your hand. I love that about this system. He, that is God, gives seed to the sower. He's put seed in your hand. And so I'm going to ask you to sow a seed by faith tonight. Would you stand with me and with Carolyn? Do you know, we just got finished doing 26 services in 21 days. Let me tell you, I don't care that we're in the final quarter. I'm not taking my foot off the gas pedal. We're going to push forward. I leave again Saturday for another revival in Ohio. We're pushing forward because there's time is short. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And you're standing with us, with me and Carolyn, as we're doing what the Lord's asked us to do. You're a part of that as the Victory Tribe. So I want to encourage you. The information's on the screen, miracleword.com. You see all the ways to give her there. But do something significant that takes faith for you to do. In the month of October, I want to put this in your hand. Dr. Bill Winston dropped a book called Faith and the Marketplace. Uh, And let me tell you, God's anointing the work of your hands. God wants to increase and bless the work of your hands so that you can be a blessing to the kingdom. God doesn't want you to just live with your needs met. He wants you to overflow, walk in abundance, and have more than enough to complete your purpose with plenty of left over. If you want to receive that after you've sown your seed this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, let us know where to send it. We'll be
uh, able to send to you quickly. Also, if you didn't know, we have a brand new magazine that just came out for the fall. And uh, I love Miracle Word Quarterly every time it drops. And if you've not gotten a chance to subscribe to get your copy sent to you in the mail, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash live um, and you can sign up and we'll send this to you as soon as it comes out. Also, if you didn't know this, um, if you go into the Miracle Word app, we have digital copies of our magazine that are archived inside the Miracle Word app, which would be uh, really excellent on your tablet to, to go through those digitally as well. I want to make a quick announcement before we go tonight. This uh, Thursday, which is really tomorrow, it's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock p.m., we've got the one-year anniversary of the last-gen youth ministry. So Alex is about to drop a live stream tomorrow night on YouTube uh, at 7 o'clock p.m. It's the one-year anniversary. Uh, special guests are going to be joining. There's giveaways. You don't want to miss this. If you got students, get them connected. But it's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock p.m. New York City time. That's Eastern Standard Time. And uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be on this very same YouTube channel, our YouTube channel. And then, of course, we'll be back tomorrow night at 9 o'clock for the final session of this three-part series. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, don't be controlled. Don't be manipulated by this globalist antichrist agenda because the enemy, that's what he wants to do, manipulate and control. But you're free in Jesus' name. Tomorrow night, I'm going to deal with uh, a very, very important, the third issue, very important issue that you need to make sure that you have ingrained, I should say, in your spirit. Believe it with your whole heart. Walk by faith. Before you even hit this new year, these things have to be in your spirit so you have no compromise, no compromise as we're going into this new year, our year of transformation in Jesus' name. Can I tell you one more thing before we go? Please, if you have the ability, come with us to the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend. Come with us. It's coming up. Really, we're nine days away from the homecoming weekend. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, it's not the birthplace of Jesus, but Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, October the 28th. It's a Friday night. It's time for a road trip. We want to see you in person. It's open to everyone. And there's every seat is free. We have no registration cost. doesn't cost anything to come. We just want you to come, hang out, be a part of a Holy Ghost meeting, get blessed, receive impartation. We're going to eat together afterwards as well. So if you show up, I'm going to feed you. We're going to eat, we're going to hang, we're going to talk. I love you guys, and I want to see you in person on the 28th. So go to MiracleWord.com, get the address, get the time, anything you need. Get in a car, uh, whatever you got to do. Get on the Amtrak train, if that's the easiest thing for you to do. I don't, I don't know. Get yourself a moped. I don't care. Get there. It's going to be awesome. I love you so much. Thank you for sowing seed. Thank you for standing with us, and I'll see you again tomorrow night. 9 o'clock, live stream with Last Gen, 7 o'clock. Oh, Bill said, when does the Bible study start? Great question. Let me throw that up as the last thing. Bible study made simple is reopening for enrollment October the 26th 
through November the 4th. And then we're going to close it again for another half a year. But you got to get in. It's only $15 a month. Go to bible.miracleword.com. Sign up to be on the wait list. It's, you're going to be very happy you did. There's a benefit for doing that. Jump in. We just finished our verse-by-verse study of Galatians. We're getting ready to start other Bible studies. Listen, if you're already in Bible study made simple, there's nothing you need to do. You will continue on with us in these new teachings. But we're going to let some new people in that wanted to be a part of the Bible study. Very affordable. $15 a month, you get four Bible studies a month, one a week. We want to see you there. Go to bible.miracleword.com, sign up, and then when the 26th hits, jump in and be a part of this uh, this Bible study group. It's awesome, and it's going to be great. I cannot wait for this, this new enrollment season. It's going to be awesome. I love you. Have a wonderful night, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.